0: Hey, welcome back to the Doing the Thing podcast. It's uh, been a little while. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, Phil and I both working on some some cool projects and things like that that are separate to the podcast, but uh, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. We're back. And today we want to talk a little bit more about the differences between franchising and starting a business from scratch. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Phil Mack. How's it going, Phil?
1: Hey, outstanding! It's been a great Monday so far.
0: How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, as always, you know, this is our our week start of the week warm up. <laughs> yeah, do some recording yeah, I, on Monday. I just have to share this. I was not under
1: duress. There was no gun pointed at my head, no pressure whatsoever, and I voluntarily voluntarily said. Honey, I'm going to remodel the kitchen and I'm going to do it all myself (laughs) And as the words were coming out. I'm like. Oh, what did I just
0: do? Wow. Good for you, man. That was going to be my 1st question. I was like, does she have 1 of those swords pointed at your neck right now? (laughs) Or
1: no, nothing, man. It was just all me. And yeah, so (laughs) cabinets are torn apart. All the stuff's out of them, you know, kitchen's a mess and I'm having so much fun.
0: That good for you, man. I um I went the easy route for Valentine's Day. I had the whole kitchen repainted, but I uh, I uh, I used a service. I used a painter. <laughs> so, well, probably a smart play like, on Your part. Oh. Now I feel less manly since <laughs> you're on your own. <laughs> Boom.
1: Awesome. Well, we digress. Um, I think today's topic's a compelling one. And listen, Jason and I, as everybody knows, we're both entrepreneurial coaches, career ownership coaches. So, obviously, we bias in the direction of entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurship can take shape across many different forms. And Jason and I thought there'd be some value in, you know, just exploring further, starting a business from scratch, from the ground floor, versus leveraging the expertise of a turnkey model. So very excited to dig into the topic.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. And um, you know, I I had most of my experience on, on the franchise realm. Um but I did have a startup at one point and I can kind of talk from from that perspective as well. I know you Phil, you've had uh, you know you had a couple of startups uh of your own along with a franchise. So I think I'll start off with the, the, the kind of the pros and cons of, of starting on the franchise side. So, so, so the pros of a franchise, um, you know, you've got a proven system and a proven model. Um, you know, I'm going to bust a myth right now, but I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it. But, you know, franchises are not just about, you know, fast food and French fries. They actually traverse about 85 different industries. So there's those home-based, there's those brick-and-mortar stores, beauty, real estate, coaching, the list goes on. But so so there are franchisors out there. Those are the people that create the franchise business model that you might be interested in. and And they're sole goal is for their franchisees to be successful. So they actually do not win until their franchisees win. So that actually really shows how much support you can see in a franchise system. Are there failures in the franchise? Yeah. Uh, Is failure reduced significantly? Yeah. And, you know, depending on the brand and the model that you're looking at, some have, you know, a 99% success rate. Some only have maybe a 40 or 60% success rate. It really depends on the franchisor and how they built their system. And it also depends on you, the franchisee, on how they operate that system. But really, you're looking at starting your business and a franchise. When you sign up for a franchise and you say, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. Let's get moving. I like this idea of this business. Once you get going on that, you're actually kind of starting your business on third base rather from the bench. So when you're doing that startup business model, you're starting completely from the bench. You're you're not even in the batter box. You know, you're 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 waiting to get up to bat, and, and that's the big difference because you've got that recognizable brand. Even in like a newer, in a newer franchise, the, that brand is recognizable to way more people than you know. If you were to do something from scratch, anything to add to that, Phil? Yeah, you know,
1: um, I think that it, you know again our biases towards entrepreneurship. And look, um, the first question I think you should ask yourself if you're considering getting into business and you know, wanting to investigate, starting something on your own and comparing and contrasting that with turnkey models. Um, if you have the, the world's next best innovation, you're a creator, you're a scientist, you're developing apps, things like that, go do that, right? There's a whole market for that. And that's not something that uh, the franchise world can replicate. Um, Mm -hmm. Setting that aside, let's take two different segments. Let's look at personal services businesses. And what I'm referring to here is consulting, coaching are two great examples. Um, And if you're weighing out whether or not to start your own versus leveraging the system, I think one of the biggest things you have to ask yourself is, do you have the expertise, but more importantly, if you do, Do you have the Rolodex? Do you have the circle of influence? Because, um, and I hate to say this, but, you know, I go on LinkedIn recruiter often, and I find people that have full-time VP jobs, director level jobs, and so many of them underneath that is a second uh, listing that they have that's currently too present, and that's their LLC or whatever that business is. Um, And I'm sure that they're great at what they do, and they bring a lot of expertise, but the challenge you have, unless you have a Rolodex, is there's a world of people out there claiming expertise in a space. Um, So if you're thinking about a personal services brand, unless you have that Rolodex to get you started and maintain you, you through years one and two until word of mouth and referrals build up, it may be better to evaluate a methodology that can drive business to you, that has some name recognition and, and traction in the marketplace, right? So that would be the first pointer I'd throw in. Um, second thing I'd say is switching to a service opportunity. You know, if, you, if you're a good painter, you can open up your own painting company. And that's a little bit easier, actually, in my estimation than a personal services brand. Um, but the challenge there comes in in scalability. How do you grow the business? How do you understand the regulatory changes within that industry? When do you scale up equipment wise? How do you leverage tax advantages? Um and I think you have to weigh that out as well as you're considering yeah. so
0: those are my I, couple I, of thoughts. I really agree with that too, you know, coaching brand versus coaching on your own, uh, coaching on your own. Um, and I think even with a recognized brand, you you should um, be prepared to build that big book of business and build build that Rolodex and do some of that hard work. Uh, the established brands on the franchise side, it's going to help you get there a little bit quicker. Uh, but starting from scratch, you're, you're really kind of establishing those bona fides and, and you really want to learn how you can kind of, show your potential clients that you know how how good you are what you do um and and on the painting side like like you said i i always um you know pose the question when somebody is is really good and they have a really great skill that's a hands-on skill and like they could be a handyman they could be a painter they can you know do x y and z like how how comfortable are you in doing that versus how comfortable would you be with slowly exiting out of the tactical work in that business so you can manage people on scale? If you wanna have a big painting business, you can't be the painter. <laughs> you, <laughs> you could be, but you're gonna limit yourself significantly.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. So I think that leads to the next thought that I would have is um, someone makes that consideration. I think you have to look also at bandwidth and timelines. Um, and when I talk about bandwidth, I'm referring financial bandwidth, uh, I'm referring to resource and time, bandwidth, mm-hmm. time being probably the most important of those things, and mm-hmm. also timeline. Because, and I'll tell you from personal experience, um, I was with the food service organization for 13 years, and I survived, I don't know, countless layoffs, downsizes, right sizes. M&As, everything. And then when our larger competitor acquired us, that was the time when I had to make a choice. Do I want to make a lateral move or do I want to take a package? And I took a package and I started my own medical diagnostic company, literally put a desk in my garage. <laughs>
0: nice. And,
1: um, you know, and in the summertime in Temecula, California, it gets damn hot. I'm going to tell you that. Yeah, um, yeah, it does. Over the course of four years, it went from just me to a referral network of 100 people around the United States and a business I took into Scandinavia and Europe. Um, And while that was all amazing and while I figured out how to scale just based on my background and experience in sales and management, what I couldn't keep track of is the regulatory changes affecting this industry. I was in medical diagnostics and. At the time that the uh, affordable care act was being negotiated, it just pretty much shut down the capital equipment market. And I didn't see oh, it coming. Um, and it. So this gets to. You know, even if you have a viable product. Do you have the bandwidth and the resources to stay ahead of competitive changes regulatory changes? If you do fantastic. But it's a question you should ask yourself, and if you don't, um, turnkey businesses and franchise concepts do have that structure in place yeah. to see into the future, right?
0: They do, they do, and and, and adjust with the market and the economy as well. Um, you know, and, and when you talk about bandwidth, I think mental bandwidth is is an important thing to to, to consider as well because. Uh, mentally are you prepared to completely start from the bottom and, and build something and create something or mentally are you prepared to learn something and execute a system where a lot of a lot of that that front end kind of stuff is already created and then being able to you know leverage that mental capacity right into you know Actually, the actual operations of your business, rather than the creation of the business, you know, so kind of considering where you want to apply those mental energies is going to be important as well.
1: Yeah, and then um, one of the things I frequently hear from people that I work with, and I've had several clients who have said, I love the coaching you gave, and it convinced me I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm going to start my own company, which, by the way, we celebrated. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah um but you know they talk about having the creative control over their brand and that's a mixed bag in my it opinion in, in my experience and so i'll give you some examples you know first of all the it's a misconception that you don't have creative input into a franchise concept what a franchise concept does is defines the eight lane highway that you can drive on And as long as you stay within the guardrails, you have freedom to do many, many things. Um, But it does allow you to focus in on your core competencies without having all of these other aspects to manage. Now, as a startup entrepreneur, I had to figure out my referral partner commission program and make sure that it was profitable. I had to figure out how to set up training and support such that if I place something in Utah, how do we train the medical professionals to do it? Um, I had to have the marketing strategy. I had to know what databases to buy in order to get the information to reach positions. I had to understand CPT and ICD-9 codes, and I had to teach myself all of those things. Um, Whereas in a turnkey franchise system, you have resources, you have a peer network, you have an organization behind you that can provide you those insights and that information that you'd have to go out and get on your own. And again, that comes back to timelines. If you are okay with going through that adventure of learning and getting some bumps and bruises along the way as you do, which you always will have as an entrepreneur, then again, maybe startup is more appealing. If you want to shortcut that learning time and leverage the experience of other people to make you more effective, more quickly, maybe a franchise
0: model might be the direction to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, And, you know, we haven't even discussed all the other ways you could be an entrepreneur too you know and, and and this is just kind of scratching the surface um because you can be like franchising offer also offers this but you can buy an existing company that that's fully staffed and you know it has has a has a good record of profitability in it you could check his p l you could check all that kind of stuff you could do that on the franchise side and the startup side you could buy a mom pop or something like that. Um, or you could be that investor entrepreneur. Some people really like what they're doing professionally and want to do things on the side, you know, which you could accomplish on the franchise side, or you could just be very low impact and focused on invest investing. Um, another one that, um, that I found where a lot of my a lot of my clients end up doing um, uh, that don't go into a business or a franchise is they 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 learn that they want to become an entrepreneur. And this is something that I talk about all the time in my presentations to, like, the the FBA and the Small Business Development Centers and things like that. Not everybody is cut out to be an entrepreneur. And that's okay if you're not. But if you desire that that, that flexibility and, and a little bit more lifestyle coming from your own employment organization, consider posturing yourself so you can become an entrepreneur. And what an entrepreneur is, is a trusted member within an organization that has that flexibility to really focus on the projects that they deem, you know, the, you know, most important to them and even kind of do their own schedule. And and this happens in some more of the smaller organizations. You can see that in, like, some startup organizations and stuff like that. You probably aren't going to get to that point unless you're really awesome in, like, Google or Facebook and things like that. But from what (laughs) I understand, they offer some pretty decent flexibility in their employment. But, you know, it really depends on you at the end of the day, right? It depends on you and your goals and what's most important to um, you and your family thriving. Yeah. Love that thinking and I love the intrapreneur Um,
1: and really the final point I would add to this uh, conversation and, and, you know, comparing and contrasting the 2 different options is. Whatever you do, whether it's building a brand from the ground floor up, or whether it's getting into a franchise model. For goodness sake, don't do it alone and let's take the startup from the ground floor entrepreneur scenario. First tap into SCORE, Service Corps of Retired Executives, tap into the Alternative Board, uh, tap into Vistage. And these are subscription fees. Um, but what happens is you then have access to a panel of experts with experience. Just like you do in a franchise concept where, you know, sometimes people perceive the royalties that are paid to a franchise as, you know, feeding the mothership. Well, that's not the case. What that's feeding is the infrastructure, the resources, the support that if you were an independent entrepreneur, you'd still have to pay for it. Yeah. and certainly that period work and that advisory council you'd still have to pay for
0: hundred percent hundred percent and probably more when you're on your own uh, because when you're in a franchise you're 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 not alone because there's so many other owners and there's there's a group share kind of thing, you know. I yeah you know, with, with some of the brands that I am a franchisee with. I mean, we pay almost next to nothing for some of our marketing stuff because there's hundreds of people all investing into the same same bucket, and so we can maximize the value we get out of those out of those resources. Yeah, excellent. Um,
1: Yeah, so those were kind of the key thoughts that I had. And, you know, having been a startup entrepreneur and now being a part of a franchise model, what I've come to understand is that I still have the freedom and flexibility to be the person that I am, to take my experience to the market, to focus on what I believe are my core competencies without worrying about the CRM system, right, and the operations and the marketing and some of the other strategies are provided to me that allow me just to focus in on coaching and working with people that want to explore entrepreneurship and i find that to be fulfilling look i've been there and done that i've worn 20 30 hats at a time <laughs> and yeah. now i'm really enjoying just focusing in on the things that i enjoy most which is helping people
0: 100 man yeah i think coaching is probably one of the more fulfilling things that we do every day so yeah well i I'm going to keep this short um, unless you have any other thoughts to bring to the surface. No, no. I think, you know, hopefully everybody listening got a lot out of this.
1: I got a lot out of it and, you know, you and I co-hosted it. So yeah, I think it was a good session.
0: I agree, man. I agree. So, Hey, if you guys enjoyed this, uh, reach out, let us know how we did. Um, You can find us on LinkedIn and, uh, That's pretty much where we reside for the most part is LinkedIn. You can probably find me on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that, but uh, you probably won't be able to hear from me as much as you would from LinkedIn or our websites. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, thank you again. And if you think someone else could benefit from this, uh, go ahead and give us a share, and we'll see you next time. Awesome. Thanks, everybody.